Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast based on writers sitting around drinking coffee and or wine, today beer, talking about anything and everything. We may use explicit language and will almost certainly drop F-bombs, but this is not the point or the drive of the content, so consider us PG-13. There will be rants, there will be raves, there will be occasional readings, there will be conflicting creative advice driven by at least three utterly disparate points of view. Your hosts through this adventure are John Schmidt, guest host Raymond Miller, and me, Jeannie Warner. This is episode four, Getting Organized. Let's kick this off. Everyone has a drink. Welcome back again, Raymond. Lovely to have you again. Thank you. It's great to be here. I appreciate the invitation. I've got questions, Raymond. I've got questions. I have no answers for you. No, I'm just joking. joking. If if you guys will remember, there was a couple episodes for you faithful listeners where we started talking about the tools that we use to get organized Mm -hmm. and how... Some people manage to just write things, but Chaz isn't here right now, so we can dig into the tools in particular. <laughs> how do we organize our ideas? How do, you, you know, how do you write down your plots? How do you keep track of what characters are doing? And what did I name that FBI director? I've changed it three times now. Oops. Is it Gary? Is it Jim? Was it Ferdinand? It's very frustrating. So just in terms of, let's start at the beginning of organizing your ideas. Where do you keep them? I was going to say, Raymond, I wanted to start with you here because I've seen you just randomly sitting here (laughs) on the coffee shop couch at the bean scene and suddenly you're scribbling something else because you're like, I got to remember that and you're off. If I don't write it down, it will disappear and I will not see it again for 18 months. It just, so I always have at least one notebook somewhere a sheet of paper in my wallet, a pen, something. I have to write it down or it's gone. It's just gone. What sparks that moment? What makes you, is it just, God, that's funny? It's interesting. It's really, you ask that because I I get trouble a lot when I was younger because I would laugh out loud at the most inappropriate, well, I guess I get in trouble for it now. Anyway, I laughed out loud because my, my mind works in relationships. So I see something, it sparks another thought, and then I'm down this rabbit hole and it come to an idea Wow, that's a perfect story. I need to write that down. I'm trying to think of where it happened today. I was in a meeting at work. We're having a simple conversation. And then I realized, oh my goodness, I went to school with a young man. Oh, we're talking about, um, we're talking about archiving your, um, uh, your, your photos and stuff. So you have a photo album, you wanna convert it to digital. Easy, simple conversation. Easy, simple conversation between adults. And then I started thinking about a kid that I knew who had a video quarter back when we were in middle school. This is a long time ago. I'm not giving my age, but it was quite a long time ago. And we could take his video recorder and have that thing digitized. Well, the problem with it is the kid didn't make it to ninth grade, which is part of what I inserted when I was telling kid everyone the story. And then my coworker looked at me and said, that went really dark. And so... <laughs> 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 so that's the way my mind works sometimes I just keep it to myself put it in a notebook and it'll be a perfect story maybe not something I can share with people I think you just got to find the right audience it's funny that you mentioned that so something I haven't mentioned before is is Ray gave me a challenge and I am writing a book my first I don't know my first book about a cattle drive 
in the West, and more will come about that later, but I was teaching in school today, and I had a crop of middle schoolers that I was working with, and they were very defiant in a very passive way, which, given that I am large and loud and the authority figure... Passive aggressiveness in middle school? Uh, I'm shocked. Are you shocked? <laughs> this is my shocked face. But I started... I surprised them because during a dressing down about get your feet off the chairs, unslouch, look at me when we're talking, you know, the standard authoritarian work, I suddenly realized that this is what I needed for a scene in the book, and I had to remember it. So I took out a piece of paper and wrote, remember this down, and, you know, a couple details, and the, the student I was talking to lost it. He didn't lose it, but he freaked out. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I realized that I had just done all the things for sending him into the detention zone, and it's the first day of summer school. I'm putting and, this on your permanent record. Um. <laughs> and and I had to tell him, I'm I'm trying to write a novel, and you just did something that reminded me of a character I needed. And then I had to have that moment of, do you actually tell him this? But because it was such a negative thing, if I didn't tell him that, I told him that. Oh. And now he wants to know about the novel. He desperately kind of wants to know about the novel, but he doesn't want to ask because that's not cool. Hmm. Welcome to the writer's life. <laughs> See, I just have a dozen odd little single sheets in probably Microsoft Word or Notepad on different parts of my different computers. Like, because I'll wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I had this great dream. Like, I rushed to the bean scene and I was there promptly at, at 7.30 in the morning and Chaz was there. And I'm like, Chaz, I have this great story. It's going to be fantastic. He's like, tell me. Like, I had this dream of, I understand Luca Brazzi. You know, Luca, when he goes and he's, he's very stolid and you think, is there something wrong with this simple mind? Is he simple minded? And But I realized, no, he's a witch hunter. In the original books, in Mario Puzo, he was in trouble for murdering a woman, and the godfather got him off, and that is how he made his bones, as it were. And I'm like, no, no, he hunts stragas. He's actually been cursed. And so he's now being sheltered by the guy who helped him break the curse, but he is known to send out of the weaponry against magic because now he is this armored-guided missile. And I was so excited, and I had the whole plot, and I told him, and Chaz looked at me and he's like, well, that's lovely, darling, but you can't write it. I, what do you mean I can't write it? This is going to be brilliant. Luca Brazzi explained, you know, Luca's story. And then he told me things about how the entire Mario Puzo's estate is tied up and then there's lawsuits and I'm probably going to get sued for mentioning him on this podcast and sigh. But if you're listening out there, I have this great idea about Luca Brazzi. Come on, people. <laughs> Settle I, your petty differences. Although I am not a lawyer, that is fair use. And It's not. It's not? It is not. Actually, oh. I went out and looked at it's not fair use until oh, we gotta all talk the different about copyrights. Them. Yeah, there's a lot to... No, 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 no. It's fair use for you to mention it on the podcast as an idea. All right. It's oh. not fair use for you to market the book with this character in it. Because yeah, I only, I only wrote a few pages, so and it'll never see the light of day. It's X number of years after the author dies. Oh, it's I, complicated now. Yeah, oh, it's very complicated. There's some of it that was... It, was this Tolkien also had a certain bit of problems of some of it was copyright now, and some of it's copyright later, and the Supreme Court recently changed copyright, and that also sends us down a little rabbit hole that maybe we should... 
I'm going to get a lawyer. We're going to have a guest lawyer talk about copyrights. This is going to be awesome. But I, I have digressed us a little bit into the lawsuit land. So let me tell you, fan fiction is one thing, um, but your darling friends that are professionals will stomp on your dreams and tell you to write your own original stuff. And, and I would like to piggyback on that statement and make a very clear statement that one of the things that I am so happy to be involved with you, Jeannie, about is that you're not doing this out of a sense of we should all write fan fiction. You're doing this out of the idea that we should all write professionally, that we should bring more good works into the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, most definitely. Because I, I don't know about you, but I'm constantly, I, I mean, my Amazon budget is probably the largest entertainment budget. I easily blow 30, 40, 50 bucks a month on new books. And my goal is always to find new authors I like, and then I will buy everything that they write in the series. Or, And then sometimes it's like the, oh, oh. Thank you, Amazon algorithm. You've let me down again because some of them out there, and it's maybe it's the self-publishing through the two different tools that they did, but they really needed an editor or somebody to say like there was sometimes it's like I plugged it out through a book and a half because the story was neat and the magic use was so awesome yes. that I fought my way through the worst conversation I've ever read <laughs> because like. Ars Magica is the greatest magic theory ever written and playtested in a game. Ars Magica. Go look it up. All right, all right. All other magic systems suck, comparatively. Only, but Only if you're a, a table runner. Yeah, well. I like RuneQuest. Ugh. But yeah, okay. Chart Quest, Spell Quest, Claw Quest. But... but. It's, it's, you know, it's what is the system that works. So this guy had a great world and a great system. And it's like, I don't trust you. I don't even like you. Oh, yay. Let's go off and fight adventure together. Like, what? <laughs> this, this makes no sense. So there's only so far you can get without something that's organized. An organized plot will take me along a fair distance, you know? Which leads us to the question, how do you organize a plot? Yeah. How Tell do you us, keep it all together? How all do you keep, threads. where am I going? How so, do I use that mantle? I mean, I, that, that mantle on the rifle? That rifle on the mantle. <laughs> Excuse I like me, the, Mr. Chekhov, help me out here. I, I like the mantle on the rifle because in the winter you need to keep the works warm. So you've got the firm mantle on the rifle. So you, anyway, um, based, I am, the I think, probably the, the lowest, highest tech here. The lowest, highest tech. Because I don't use Scribner. I use Google Docs. Because I can just throw everything into a Google Doc and then search it later. Yes, you can. I have so much trouble with Google Docs. It's pathetic. I don't know. How I liked it, and then they changed things. Also, if you're listening, Google, I hate whoever's in charge of your product management. Sorry. <laughs> so, you're a step up from that. Huh. He is the Scrivener Whisperer. whisperer. my moments. So I will say this. I, I evangelize um, Scrivener up and down. It's one application that you pay for. It's not a subscription. And I think it's it's between 30 and 50 bucks. You It'll work with Windows. It'll work on a Mac. And once you pay your money, you can download the Windows version and you can download the Mac version. And I've, I have a Mac at work and I was using Scrivener just to keep up with all my notes at a job. And I still had my my version of Windows at home. Hopefully Scrivener's not listening and trying to change that so we have to buy two versions. But even then, it's worth it 
to not have to pay 15 bucks, 25, 50 dollars a month for an application you just need to own. Um, now, it's interesting you should bring up Google Docs because I still use Google Docs. I use Google Docs when it comes time to share something. I need everybody's input. Then I'll put a Google Doc out there. I'll invite folks and, and we're good to go. But as far as Scrivener's concerned, it's a wonderful place to have all your notes. And I don't mean just I typed in a little something here and a little something there. I mean everything. Scrivener will allow you to create files just for characters, create files just for settings. They're in one location, so you never lose them within Scrivener. So once you open the application, it's right there. You know, it's got its own little uh, Windows interface, as you will. Uh, God, they should pay me for this. I know. They should. <laughs> but I mean, it's exciting stuff. Um, let's say I have a uh, couple Excel spreadsheets, because that's where I put uh, my characters. So I literally have... Um, really? Um, that's where I track my agent query list. You yep. put your characters on there. Yeah, but that's where you can do that, too. In fact, Scrivener allows you to do things as I can put one book in here or do it as a project. So let's say you work on your series. Okay. Yeah, we're all working the series. And I can have all the text files, all the files for the, the components in Scrivener to where I can literally print one book, one chapter, all the books at once. I can export every one of them into a PDF or some of them in the PDF. Once I have a cover, I can make my, my, my front matter. So I can literally squeeze everything through and I have everything I need to publish on Amazon. I think it's a Mobi file. Or as a regular ebook with some of the other, um, with the other media, I think Kobe takes a... a um, Kobe, Moby, and Dot? Yes, Kobe, Moby, and Dot. Oh, I didn't think about that. So yes, it's a Moby file. Kobo, Kobo, uh, it's a different website, Smashwords. They'll take Smash a different words. format. Scrivener will handle that for you. Nice. So you want to go to Fiverr.com so, and pay someone to format your file. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there is a learning curve. I got to say, he, he sat next to me and this very, very patient man walked me through how to do it, and I got to move my own fingers through it. And, and I still have all those files in Scrivener, although I don't think I've reopened it on this system yet. But but that did not change the wonder and magic of when he said, well, how do you want to do this? And you needed this page. And, and the mechanics of putting all of those things together were things that I'd never thought about before. Like, hey, you need a, do you have a dedication page? Do you have a title page? Do you have a you know, introduction, do you have a, at the end of it, I've just discovered reading serialized books that other friends are writing. Did you like this? You should, and, and how do you pimp out your other books at the end of your books, especially want to read a piece of the next book coming up? Why didn't I think of that? You know? <laughs> so you're, you're telling me that Scrivener is giving you all the publisher pieces you need. It, yes. Yes. So instead of having to say, wrangle with Word and getting your page notes, uh, page numbers right, and uh, all the files together. So that's one book. You have to do the same with the next book, the same with the third. You can have one file with your dedications. And maybe you duplicate it, maybe you don't. One file with pointing to the other books you have on Amazon. And you can single source that. So republish that with every book having the same thing or different things, but they're all in one place. So I'm not going through files looking for, where's that one dedication I had of you? Where's my latest version of this? All right in front of you. Mm. It's very sexy. I'm going to have to go back and try it again just because, I'm sorry, you talked it up and you made it sound dirty. And <laughs> I kind of want to, I mean, I'm sitting here looking, I, I, I work on Notepad. 
I mean, I have Notepad is what I do everything at work. So you know, if I if I open up my work work pad, I've got I just counted twenty nine individual notes, and I know what it is because the first line tells me what the notes going to be in there. Oh <laughs> after after about five of those, I lose track of what I have. Yeah. The good thing about Scrivener is I set it up to where if I if I'm looking at a file, a folder, because the file will go into folders, so I can divide things by folders. I know exactly what's in that folder because I've named it a certain way. Yeah. So I don't have to think because if you make me think I get lost, if I just do the same thing over and over, I can cook. Ooh, now I want some beans. All right. <laughs> <laughs> mm, beans. beans. Yeah, and that's probably a better way because I, I sit down and I, I have been known to go to bed, but I can't go to bed because I have to write this thing right now. Yes. And then you're like, uh, you know, I was going to snuggle up. Sorry, babe. I'm gonna. I'm now going to get up and sit and I have to do this now because I have this great idea and I don't know where it came from and I'm going to get it before it goes. And so for me, that's why I have a whole bunch of when, when my discovery of like after the aliens came. What, what what happened and how they solved us and got rid of all the superheroes and all the super bad guys and no longer will we be invaded from beyond and except for everybody's very nice now it was practically the Pax and then I realized I'm a Firefly episode oh you're the anti-reaver kind of mm. oh it is I even make that connection I didn't recognize the connection at first either because I was living through the dream of the, yes. in my dream, I was a high school student and I was about to graduate and we were camped on the lawn as we did back at Fort Collins High School and uh, we were going to go creep up into the bell tower one more time as we did when it was back. <laughs> we were expressly forbidden to do anything so dangerous as go up the bell tower so naturally all of us did every chance we got and they came, the aliens, the peacekeepers came and my friends got let go but I didn't. And I spent the next 15 years in the dream in this institution because I was an unrepentant criminal. Oh, they took it all away. Nice. Nicely done. I like that. Right? And I wrote it down and I think I've got like, oh, 20,000 words on it. And now it's just sitting there because <laughs> <laughs> because I had 20 starts and I realized I needed to actually start having finishes. And so that's the finishing mm, is the yes. thing. So. John, what are you doing to finish? Do you keep track of how many words you write every day? I use no tools whatsoever. I am the least writerly person here. Occasionally guilt takes me. On the other hand, if I really have to get something done, I write out the narrative I need and then I write it. But most of the narratives I write are curriculum narratives. I, I do a lot of classes, right, because I teach things. And uh, it's funny you should mention that because... I'm awash with guilt. I have promised Ray this story, and I need to finish it so he can help me with it. And he liked the first bit enough to say, go, go, do more. Well, there, there is. It's a magnificent piece, you know, that uh, TV and Hollywood have very much whitewashed cowboys in America, whereas for a very long time, most of the cowboys were black and Hispanic. Most of the cowboys were black and Hispanic, yet if you watch... Tom Mix movies, old, you know, the yep. Rifleman. Oh, the, the deeper you get into it, the more fascinating it gets. It's, the, and the, yeah. the more research you do, like, why did Texas Longhorn succeed so well? In part because the um, various African tribes were able to bring their cattle practices over from 
the freaking West African desert conditions, and it worked well in Texas, for God's sake. Uh, I, what? Yeah, no, really. And yeah. then I did oh, some etymological sense. research on things like, what's the root word for corral and crawl? Which way did that go? And I was hoping it went from African, but it, it actually both comes from um, Dutch, or it comes from Romance language up, oh. which is interesting in its own way, but not part of the novel. And then, wow, you read some of the actual history, and it's surprising how boring the whitewashed novels are, the interactions. Well, I was just remembering, like, through the 70s, there was a lot of Western shows. I mean, we played Cowboy and Indian because we were children of... Okay, everybody here at least was children in the 70s. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, all you uh, millennials out there listening. But, we'll yeah, there's to... a lot of it so that because that's what we got. And then there were Western novels. There was Riders of the Purple Sage. And there was – but it was funny that slowly it seems to be falling out as a genre in fiction. I mean, I, I used to – it used to have its own – stand in Barnes and Noble and B. Yeah. Dalton bookstores, if you remember. And I'm a, I'm old, okay. <laughs> and and those were the newcomers. So and it used to be its own thing of its own westerns and Because it was its own media thing. We still have westerns. They're just hidden in other genres. What is Firefly? Oh, it's space, truly a western space cow cowboy bebop. Yes. And if you look at the um, romances coming out today, you know, you have billionaires, you have firefighters, and cowboys. Hey, yeah. hey, let's not forget the, what is it, uh, shape-changing Vikings. Yes. <laughs> but talking about those. romance, we'll, we'll take too many episodes here. <laughs> yeah, that's another, <laughs> we'll, the series we'll, right We'll come there. back to romances, yeah. yeah. But in terms, of, in terms of genre, I think it actually has sort of faded a little bit because people are starting to say... There's a lot more history that's more widely available, and I, I embrace the internet for sharing information where there was never information to be shared. You know, both for I, the the people that invented things and then got trumped over by people with a lot of money. Today's thing was a woman invented the game Monopoly. I saw that At, because it was her job. Was she wanted to show people the iniquity? of mm -hmm. the acquisition of wealth and how it actively works to screw the people without wealth. Yes. And it ended up, you know, they bought out her patent and this one guy bought it out, did a thing and now made a million bucks out of it. And everybody likes it because now it's all about that guy showing, look how rich I am. Look how awesome I am. And the American dream changed everything. It changed everything. And all of it was, she was trying to show wealth inequity and what it turned into was wealth acquisition. But it was interesting because I don't think 20 years ago in the 70s we would have ever read an article about that woman. No. You know, no. Hi hidden figures. The I very big into once upon a time mathematics. Oh, that's women's work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In England, you have the Bletchley Circle. You know, they they had uh, we we love Turing, Alan Turing, who invented the the machine that cracked the Nazi codes. Enigma. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and was but it was the women who sat gay. around, yeah, and who and was hounded to death for ran being the gay. Bombs. Uh -huh. We didn't hear about that part of the story. So I love the internet. I'm going to say as much as I've I run across people saying they're being rude. Sorry, I'm digressing here, but I love the fact that I can now follow down the rabbit hole to find out things and not just live with what you're being told. I. Yeah. But go to other sources and check them. I am actually yes. really surprised how good Twitter's been there for that. 
I thought really? Twitter was just loudmouth people yelling at each other, but then through actually through an amazing writer who I'd like to pimp all the time, Ursula Vernon, I keep reading accounts of things that are very real, very scholarly, leading me straight back to original research on all sorts of lovely, crazy things. Oh, I, I pimped out Ursula. Ursula, if you're listening someday, and I hope you do, or Kevin, I totally pimped you out. And now there's a whole bunch of hockey players that now read your books and devour them and giggle and laugh wildly. Although nobody as much as there was a moment that uh, one of the hockey gals in the room was talking about how there was a science fiction book that changed her life. It found her at her absolute lowest point and picked her up. And I looked at her and I'm like, what was it, The Deeds of Paxinarian? And she stared at me. She's like, yes. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, and half the room of the women were like, yeah, because that was the first representation of a woman going through a militaristic organization and in the medieval style and fighting and working hard. And there's no three-minute montage. There's no, you know, Mr. Miyagi teaching us to balance on a, you know, it really is slogging through the mud and sweating and taking care of your stuff and washing it. And and she was like, oh, but if I, I wanted to go fangirl her because I saw she was your friend on Facebook. I'm like, you should. Because there's never going to be an author anywhere in the world that ever gets tired of hearing, oh, my God, your book changed my life. I love you so much. Yes. That is amazing. And, and wouldn't that make a difference if somebody said, oh, my God, you're Raymond Miller. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And burst into tears and threw their arms around you. Thank you for writing your books. Are you that huggy a guy? I am that huggy a guy, but if you see me look on my guy. face, I'm like, ah, that means you got to multiply that by a thousand foot. Ah, oh, I mean, okay. yeah, fans. <laughs> so, so let's make this, let's reiterate this. The world has changed. If there is someone who changed your life, they're probably on Twitter. In the old days, you'd have to write their publisher. You could still do that. Let them know yeah. that they changed their life. I got to say, writing is not, except for a very few, going to make you rich. But it is a way to change the world. So let him, let the author know they changed yours. I wanted to throw one out there because the past couple years for many people in creative endeavors have been hard. Feeling like things politically and in the world are, are and what do I do? What, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm barely struggling to make it in speak. I'm a rock, I'm a writer. So I had a talk with out of him. I went out to like Kit Carr and some of the others and I said, look, there was a woman who got up in front of the Senate or House. I don't remember. I'm so sorry. I don't remember this instant. Wearing pink sneakers and a back brace. And she needed to talk for 22 hours. She read letters from her constituents. She, it had to be on topic. It had to be real and it had to be personal experience. And this is what you can do. You can write those letters. You can tell about how things are in the world are affecting you. They can talk, you can talk about what it means. You can say, we should have learned this lesson from history. You can use all of that delicious research that all of you can do. Write letters and send them, you know, send them via email, send paper, because what you can do is you can give people the ammunition to stand up and say, you have made a law, you have proposed legislation, and I believe that you have stunning number of use cases that you have not considered. Let me lay them out for you. We need so much of that, especially now. So this is my challenge to you guys listening at the end of this, now that we've 
We've talked about Scrivener. We've talked about organization. You know, we've talked about how do you stay inspired and write and finish it. I want to tell you that each one of you has the ability to make a difference in somebody's life by writing a story, by submitting a story, by writing a poem and sending it to them for their birthday, by calling them up and reading it to them over the phone, by sending an email, by sending something to your representative and saying, hey, this is a story and I think it matters. Did you have something? I, I have two things. And the, um, if you write poetry, it's really hard in your heart to let it go. But 99.9% .9 of the people in the world never get poetry. If you let your poetry out in the world, it impacts as hard as Ray, Raymond Miller hitting you. I can hit pretty hard. He hits. He, he can. He was teaching me how to box. It's awesome. And the second thing is, just, just to wrap back to it, you were talking about uh, Senator Davis's filibuster in Texas. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, Fort Worth, 13 hours. And I remembered the pink sneakers and looked it up because she couldn't wear normal shoes because she was getting ready to go for the long haul. So she needed shoes. She could be on for 13 hours. And she made a change in the world, obviously. She did. She let me know that all of you who write, anybody who writes, you don't have to write well. You just have to start writing because well will get better. Writing is not a talent. It's a skill like anything else. The more you do it, the better you're going to get. So... I'd like to encourage everybody to go out and write something today. Write a write the story of your day. Write the report of your sporting event that you just participated in or went to or witnessed. Write about a story of a family member that's passed on. You know, something that the family stories that get passed down. Just write it down yes. and send it to somebody. All of these things are important. I think each one of you listening is honestly a writer. I think you're right. <laughs> Concur. Oh my goodness, yes. Uh, I also love being told I'm right. You guys have been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee. It's a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Deirdre McGaffey Schween, and our sound engineer and backup web spider is David Welsh. Our intro music is Pretty Made Milky Cow, and our exit music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, both by Michael Engberg. You can hear more from Michael Engberg on Spotify or at Many Hats Music. Today's sponsor, again, was Balls Out Podcasting, except for me.